Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south on a but you can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit of teeth because you got thick skin. Welcome in to After the Snap. I am your host alongside my trusty co-host, My name is Blake Ferguson. I am here with my brother, Reed Ferguson. We are one half of the AFC East long snapping crew, and we are here to guide you through today's podcast. We have a great one in store for you. Uh, We are going to recap this past week in the NFL. We are going to talk a little bit about the coaching carousel as far as college football goes. And then we have a special guest joining us later in the show. Tommy Townsend of the Kansas City Chiefs is going to be joining us for an interview. Reed, I know you guys played last night on Monday Night Football. You guys have a short week coming up. First, just give me a rundown of how last night went. I know it was chaotic with the weather. Talk to me about last night and then this upcoming week. I know it's a big week all around. Yeah, um, so last night, obviously, uh, if you spent any time on social media, I'm sure you saw the videos of the crazy weather that we, that we, uh, played in last night, the snow and the wind and everything kind of looked like a blizzard on the field in pregame, but, and it's, it's still snowing and, and pretty windy as we speak. I'm looking out my window and I can see it accumulating on the ground, but, you know, obviously not the, uh, result we wanted given the circumstances, you know, I guess I, you know, I, I, I was just trying to put the ball, uh, in Matt's hands for field goals and punts as, as best I could. And I felt like I, you know, I was able to, to manage both guys were Joe, Joe did a great job too. So, you know, it was kind of from, from a snapping perspective, just trying to, uh, survive a little bit. And, you know, depending on which way you were snapping into, trying to manage snapping with the wind and and putting it on his body and snapping against the wind and trying to you know focus on follow through and spiral and so you can put it on his body that way because if you know obviously if you you're going into the wind you know snapping against the wind which means the punter is going with the wind you kind of you got to make sure it's a spiral less it's going to get eaten up and you, there's no telling where it's going to end up with a gust of wind so yeah it was uh it was a tough night but uh, we'll bounce back. We got, we got, a, like you said, we got a short week. I think we're Sunday. I think we're the late afternoon game, uh, down in Tampa Bay. So, uh, that will be yet another, uh, stadium that I can check off my list. Although I have played there in a bowl game my sophomore year, I think that will be one less stadium that I will have to knock off my list. We had the New York Giant, New Jersey Giants come down to, Miami and we won 20 to nine. 
Tua and Waddle are continuing to grow in their connection. They are playing unbelievable football right now, and uh, it's been a it's been a fun little win streak for us. I did want to ask you if you have seen the sort of it, it's becoming it's getting some notoriety on social media. The elevator that we have at the stadium that they put the picture on after the game have you have you seen that? I have just because you reposted it. Yeah, well, for our listeners, there is there's an elevator that is in Hard Rock Stadium that after each game they put they print out a a brand new graphic, a photo from whatever the game was and it has been it has gotten all kinds of crazy social media buzz because it's they get it up so fast. Like they literally have the, the elevator. They have the graphic on the elevator that night, like the night following the game, like six hours after the game, I I will have to reshare that on our, after the snap social media so that our listeners can go check that out because I think it's hilarious. And then lastly, uh, when it comes to uh, our game against the giants, Jalen Phillips, uh, is continuing to dominate as well. He had two more sacks this past week, and he now holds the rookie sack record for the Miami Dolphins. Also, Jalen Waddell has the rookie reception record for the Miami Dolphins. So uh, the brothers Jalen, our two first-round draft picks from this past draft, are doing very well. Lastly, as it, as it uh, relates to Week 13, let's get into the after-the-snap clutch Snap of the week for week 13. This week, our award goes to Cameron Cheeseman of the Washington football team. They had a 17 to 15 win over the Las Vegas Raiders. Cameron snapped the game winning field goal snap for Brian Johnson, who was signed to the roster this week. Congrats to Cameron, rookie um, out of the University of Michigan. And they are the University of Michigan's playoff bound. Uh, a lot of good things going for Mr. Cheeseman. Uh, congratulations to him. Reed, the last thing I want to talk to you about before we get going with the Tommy Townsend interview. It's been a big week, I guess two weeks in college football with the head coaching carousel. Lincoln Riley to Southern Cal, Brian Kelly to LSU. Venables just signed with Oklahoma. Billy Napier is going to Florida. Uh, Marcus Freeman is is now going to be the head coach at Notre Dame. He was the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And Mario Cristobal, most recently, is now on the move from Oregon to the University of Miami. It has been a huge week in college football. Yeah, it has been a huge week and it's been great to see. Um, obviously there's, you know, the, the, the teams that don't have the playoff hopes, you know, you're kind of looking, you kind of look to churn, churn the coaching staff earlier than others. But yeah, I mean, it's great. I, 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 Brian Kelly to LSU, I, you know, I like it. I didn't have a huge feeling on it in one way or the other, you know, when it originally happened, but, uh, I like it. I think, you know, and I mean, he, he wins wherever he's at. And I know there's been a lot of people that, you know, have not great things to say about him or whatever, this and that off the field, you know, 
oh, he's too much of a politician. It's like, well, I could give two craps what he's like off the field. If he's winning games, right? Do people care that Nick Saban, I mean, yeah, Nick Saban, uh, you know, he gives a couple of great like tidbits during press conferences every year and people enjoy that. Like, yeah, you know, whatever, but he wins games. And yeah, he's just a grumpy guy. He, you know, he's generally viewed as just this grumpy guy off the field. But I don't think not, you know, nobody cares if you're getting rings at the end of the season. So that's my view. Um, if you're winning games, you're more than welcome to come coach my team. Who gets their first 10 win season of the names that I just listed? As much as I don't want to say it, I think that it's Lincoln Riley. I think the, the pool of talent mixed with the system that he likes to run out there is, is going to bode very well. Um, and I also don't think that it's a super strong schedule in terms of, you know, if you're comparing him to the other teams on this list that hired new coaches. But, you know, I'd like to say Brian Kelly. I think it's going to be a year or two before we're back at the top of the West, which is fine. I mean, if, as, you know, just give me, give me something to obviously cheer. I'm cheering for them every week, weekend and week out, but give me something to be proud to wear you know, my LSU purple hoodie to the facility, right? Because I, I wasn't too – I wasn't too – I didn't wear my LSU hoodie too many times to the facility this season. Yeah, I think the Lincoln-Riley move is one that he he knew exactly what he was doing going to the Pac-12. He knows that uh, he's going to California with a West Coast-style offense, the run-and-gun, Big 12, Pac-12-style offense, and it's easy to win in the in the Pac-12. You have Oregon and Utah are really the only two that have been contenders in the last probably three to four years. I think that that's, that's probably a safe bet. Um, I think the Brent Venables move to Oklahoma is going to be interesting because of the fact that he's a defensive minded coach, uh, moving into a, a, a conference that is known for scoring a lot of points and just run and gun offenses. Yep. I'm interested to see how these coaches I, I don't think any of these moves are, are bad moves. I think they're all going to be successful. Yeah, I agree. Um, yep. But I think it I think they were all home run picks. Let's get into our interview with Tommy Townsend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are here with Tommy Townsend, punter for the Kansas City Chiefs. He is in his second year uh, in Kansas City. He's a graduate of the University of Florida. He was a member of the 2020 Pro Football Writers of America All-Rookie Team. He played in the Super Bowl as a rookie. Man, this list is long. And he was an AFC Special Teams Player of the Month for November 2021. Congratulations, Tommy, and welcome to the pod. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on with uh, with y'all. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good one. I I did forget one thing. He was also a teammate of mine for the 2015 U.S. Army All American Bowl. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> how how could you forget that one? How could I forget that? 
that's the biggest one right there. That's the biggest one right there. And, uh, geez, oh, my gosh. The, the first thing I think of when I think back to that game is just how ridiculous I looked on the field because I put on every bit of swag that they gave us, every I little think, bit. I think we put on, between you and I, we put on probably every armband that was in that equipment room. Yeah, it, it, it probably it probably added another five, 10 pounds to me, at least. Did you have a visor on for that game? I had a visor. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I put a, I put a visor on. It was what it, like, like you said, like it was one of those things where I just put on everything I could find and I got a visor and I was like, you know what? I guess I'm wearing a visor. So, and I've never worn a visor. I haven't worn a visor since pop Warner. So um, I went for it and yeah. It's really, it's really the first, the only game. Cause I played in uh, the Under Armour game coming out of high school and I did yeah. the same thing. I was visor, strapped up, arm sleeve, armbands, the whole nine yards. And um, I haven't done anything close to that since. So it's really like the, it's like you let it fly for one game and just kind of like get it out of your system. And then exactly. you just kind of have to forget about it. And you're like that part, that's like not even a part of me anymore. I think when you yeah. get to college. No, that's, that's exactly it. You just got to get it out of your system. I think when you get to college and the pros, everyone looks at the long snapper and the punter and they're like, hmm. No, like you're like you're lucky to get a single digit number as a punter. Like now, um, what did you yeah. you had what eighty eight your first year at Florida? Was, were you eighty eight? I've worn so many different numbers. I wore I wore number twenty seven my freshman year at Tennessee, and then I transferred to Florida. I wore eighty eight for a couple years, and then I switched to number forty three. Honestly, I didn't really like 88 when I first came in, but they were like, you know what? Like, you're going to be ineligible. This was yeah. way back before, like, all the, uh, the transfer rules were, you know, so lenient. But uh, we're going to hold like, oh, all the good numbers for the skill guys. Yeah, they're like, oh, we can figure it out later. We can figure it out later. And then uh, my redshirt junior years, uh, we had a tight end, uh, one of the ends on on field goal. He, uh, he went down, so one of the backups came in, and he was number 88. So uh, they were like, all right, well – you're the one that's got to change your number, not this tight end. So, uh, so I switched it and I went to 43 because that's what I, that's what I used to play with back in Pop Warner. So, um, so I went with that one. Well, just to kind of get into things, uh, can you kind of give us a little background on how you got into punting? Uh, you, you are the first punter we have had on the podcast. We've had a Let's few, go. uh, few different snappers, obviously. Uh, that's kind of our, our, our niche market here, but, as far as the punting world goes, tell us kind of how you got involved uh, and how your brother got involved as well. Yeah, so it uh, it actually all started with him. So I think it was his his sophomore year of high school. He uh, he was on varsity playing safety and, uh, and and they needed a punter and they just had I guess a punting tryout. They had a bunch of guys line up and they basically said, you know what, like whoever kicks it the furthest, like they're gonna they're going to be the starting punter. So, uh, so Johnny gets, the, gets a hold of one and it goes, catches a nice bounce and, uh, and goes the furthest. So Johnny got named the punter. And, uh, from then on out, we just, uh, well, I guess it started with him. One of my dad's friends played, uh, he was a punter at FSU back in the day. And, uh, so he was, a, he was a local Orlando guy. So he was, um, you know, the first guy we went and took our first lessons with Steve Dykes. And, uh, and yeah, so Johnny got some lessons for him and, you know, just kept practicing on his own, went to a couple of those showcase camps and, you know, started getting, you know, started getting ranked. And, uh, it's something he decided to start pursuing. And, you know, once he started getting, you know, some scholarship offers, I was like, you know what, I can do this too. Why not? Let's, let's, let's. So I started joining him on, uh, on some of the training sessions and, uh, 
and yeah, started going to some of those, uh, the Coles camps and, um, and the, uh, the Chris Saylor and Rubio camps. And, uh, which of course that's, that's how I met Blake and, uh, and, and yeah, the rest is kind of history. You got a couple offers and, you know, I'm glad you brought up the, uh, the kicking and snapping camps because that was actually where I was going to go with the next question. And when we were coming through the, the camps were really growing. Like they were, mm-hmm. at least when I started, I mean, a Rubio camp was maybe 30 guys. Reed, it was even less. It was like 10 guys at a snapping camp. And yeah. now it's like, there's like 500 kids out at these, uh, just like a, like a regional camp, not to mention like right. a Vegas camp. Yeah. Those talk huge to me, showcases. talk to us yeah. about how, how the, how that's kind of expanded in, in the kicking world. We've obviously seen in the snapping world and, and grown that way, but kicking and punting, how have you seen it grow for Coles and for Sailor? I know you went to both. It's grown so much over the past couple of years. Yeah. Even from my very first camp, which I think was, November or December of my, my junior year, I think. And yeah, it's just absolutely skyrocketed. I, th- I, th- I think a huge thing behind it is just like personalities and athleticism of, of guys in the league that, you know, kids really, kids really get behind. Of course, when I was coming through the camp system, it was always Marquette King and Thomas Morset that were these big leg guys. And they would show up and give demos every once in a while. And, 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 and of course that just created such a bit, a big name for kicking and punting. You know, you know, everyone started, it started to gain traction and everyone started to kind of be like, you know what? I, I kind of want to kick. I think I can kick too. So I, I think it's just kind of grown from that. I've, I've had a lot of kids reach out to me saying like they started, they started, uh, they started punting. So they saw me on TV and they liked my hair and, <laughs> and they were like, you know what? Like I'm going to, I'm going to start punting. I'm going to start punting for my high school team or my pop Warner team. So it's really cool how it's growing. I mean, even in the weirdest ways, like I said, like getting DMs from random kids about my hair, it's like, like who would have thought, you know, is the hair something you will ever get rid of? Is that like a, is it like a Clay Matthews, like a, like when you loot, like when you cut your hair, like that was like the end of his career. Like he was done. Like, are you just gonna, is that just gonna be like a, like a Samson thing for you? Like where you, where you just keep it for your, the entirety of your career or? Jeez. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I've, I've gone back and forth with it so many times. It's, oh, it's such a disaster. It's such a mess. I mean, especially when it gets like cold and windy, it gets, it just gets blown everywhere. I mean, obviously it was nothing compared to what Reed had to put up with last night, but. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with it. I mean, shoot. I remember, I remember one day after, I think it was after my junior year, I was just like, you know what? I'm just, I'd, I'd never grown my hair out past my eyebrows. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to grow it out and let's see what happens. And, uh, I've trimmed it a little bit, but, uh, obviously haven't, haven't cut it all off yet. We'll see. We'll see. I've heard the story about Samson. People have talked to me a lot about the story about Samson, but, uh, I can't help but say that's, that's played a little bit of a role in me keeping my hair. It's in the back of your mind at least a little bit. Yeah, little bit. L- little known fact, Blake Ferguson uh used to have long hair. I think I might have um, actually been the inspiration for Tommy's long hair. I was about to say you may or may not have been my inspiration, but I didn't I didn't want to gas you up like that. I didn't I didn't want to let you get a big Come head. On, that. The head's already big enough. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I think Blake had the opposite effect because when when he cut his hair, I think that coincided to when he hit puberty. And now he's bigger than me. I think he, he, he had the reverse Samson effect, uh, on the noggin, but uh, I got two questions for you. One to stay on the hair prop, the hair deal. 
Will you be looking for a sponsorship from Head and Shoulders? This is something I've I've had quite a quite a few conversations about, um, and I've talked to my agent about it a little bit because so many people, of course, so many people have been you know kind of like in my ear about it. I've been using Head and Shoulders since middle school. And you know, I, I I can't help but say it does hurt a little bit that they haven't even that they haven't even acknowledged it. Because we've reached we've reached out. I oh. talked to my agent a little bit about it, but I guess they they only do uh, they only do a couple like big name guys a year. Like of course it's Pat Mahomes right now, and they still do some stuff with uh, Paul Malu. But sounds uh, like you just need to get in more camera shots with Pat, maybe. Probably, yeah, and just a couple like flip flips, and yeah. Yeah, maybe I should just take one of the bottles out, like you know, on the field, and just stand behind Pat and just yep. kind of kind of hold it up and flaunt it a little bit. Maybe we can get some attention there. But but yeah, no head and shoulders. That's uh yeah, it's been a little hit and miss on that one too. But uh, there's been a couple brands that have reached out. None of them have really. I don't know. Hasn't has been a great fit. Hasn't been a great fit. So fair enough. Um, you hit on it a little before, obviously talking about how uh, you got started punting and talking about your brother. How did he? kind of impact you early in your career and then also kind of what was it like playing together at Florida for a couple of years there? He was a huge inspiration for me to, uh, to, you know, start punting. It's just kind of like the big brother effect. It's like, I just kind of want to do whatever my big brother does, you know? we would go out on the field and we would train together all the time as I'm sure you guys did. And yeah, just, just kind of like training with each other and competing with each other, just kind of like, I don't know. I feel like that just kind of propelled it a little bit more, just a little bit more, just competing with your brother every day, just trying to beat him. You know, we started taking it a lot more serious in college. Johnny took off and had an amazing career in college. One of, I like to say one of the best in college football history. He led the NCAA for two years in a row and just had ridiculous stats. You know, that was something that like I, I was always kind of shooting for, but unfortunately for me, I didn't, I, I had to sit for three years. I didn't get my first college start until my redshirt junior year. So I was kind of playing catch up from then on. But, uh, but it was always nice having Johnny there because, you know, even though I wasn't playing, we were constantly competing and it felt like I was grinding and working really hard to win a job, you know, even though I, I kind of knew there, I wasn't going to, you know, be taking his job in college. So, uh, so that, that was, I think that was a huge part in, you know, getting where I am right now is just, constantly battling with him, you know, up until college. You and I came into the league at the same time last year, uh, COVID year. It was kind of a, a crazy situation for everybody involved oh, yeah. uh, that were rookies. This is our second year in the league. What have you learned just in the short period of time? I know I've had to learn basically a whole new position. It's a huge learning curve for snappers going into the NFL because of the blocking things and all, all of that comes with that. What have you learned in your career being in KC for the last, I guess, year and a half? Not much technique-wise has really changed um, since I've been a traditional punter all the way, you know, from high school to college. Um, and, yeah, now in the NFL, um, we didn't do much rollout stuff at Florida. So um, there wasn't much of a learning curve there. But I will say, and I, I, I was having this conversation with, uh, with, uh, with one of my buddies the other day, the biggest difference – from college to the NFL was especially in Kansas city was just learning how to kick in the wind. Cause obviously back in Florida, the wind wasn't, it was never a huge factor. It was always there in the SEC stadium swirl and, and all that stuff. But when you get some of these, these bad, you know, Midwest winds, you know, just ripping through, it's uh it's, it's awfully difficult. So 
you know, it's just, it's just a lot of learning how to punt in the wind and different types of kicks to hit, trying to, you know, cut the ball to get a tighter spin on it to get it cut through. Just kind of small things like that, holding onto the ball a really long time. And another thing, another key for me is just not swinging out of my shoes. I feel like I get into trouble a little bit when I try and swing out of my shoes, you know, especially in the, in the wind, like they always say, swing easy when it's breezy. So little learning curve there. In your rookie year, obviously you guys, we won't talk about the game that got you to the Super Bowl, but uh, you guys go to the Super Bowl in your rookie year. Um, obviously, that's a huge accomplishment uh, for for yourself, but obviously the team as well. Uh, how t- talk to us a little bit about the preparation leading up to the Super Bowl, being a first year player, and how having uh, James and Harrison kind of by your side, who have been on that stage before, how did that kind of help you? As you as you prepared to play in your first one, the weeks leading up were they, they were they were pretty intense. Um, practices were really amped up, and you could just you could just kind of feel the buzz around the locker room, and um, you know just throughout the facility that this one this one kind of meant just you know a little bit more. But yeah, obviously they were a great influence. Um, obviously both been there before, and um, you know came out with a win. So you know that that had me you know feeling a little bit more confident knowing that those guys were there and that they were going to be able to, you know, yeah, be there, give me some advice and support me. And, you know, obviously the game didn't turn out the way I wanted to, or the chiefs wanted it to turn out, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's one of those things. It's, and it's such an incredible experience. I mean, I, yeah, like I said, there's a lot, I definitely want to change about it, but, uh, you know, hopefully we can get back and, uh, yeah, get a little redemption in there. You had, how many fakes did you have in college? I know you had the fake against Vanderbilt in 18. Did you, was that your only fake that you guys, that you guys ran? I think I had three. So I had, I had okay. the one against Vanderbilt, which was just a run right up the gut. And, yep. and then I think my, my second one was, it was the very first. This is actually, this one's actually pretty interesting. So we were playing down in Miami or excuse me, we were playing Miami in Orlando hometown game and, uh, first game of the year. Oh yeah. That was the week. That was the week zero game. It was week that zero. Was, it was like super early. Yeah. Week zero. I think it may have been the first drive of the game, first drive of the game, first punt of the game, first punt of the season. Of course, we go up and like group up, get, get the call. And of course they call the fake. And I was like, Oh, shoot, here we go. Let's, let's run it. <laughs> first punt of the game, first punt of the season. Like, why not? And, uh, and we go out there and honestly, I didn't really think we had the look. I mean, they had, they had two floaters, two linebackers sitting up there. And I was like, all right, I'm probably going to punt away. And, uh, and the PP sat there, gave the call for the fake. And I'm like, Oh shoot. I'm going to have to haul tail right here. I'm going to have to haul tail. So of course, snap, catch it. And I took it around the edge and, uh, toasted one of the DBs. I will say I toasted one of the DBs nice. and I only, I only got a yard on it. I probably ran like 40 yards, but, uh, um, is that why you, but, is that why you ran the 40 at the combine? Yeah. Is that why I ran it? <laughs> I just ran it for, I feel like when you go to the combine, you have to run you the 40. Have to. You know what I mean? I remember, I remember being there with you and thinking, and, and you were like, I think I'm going to run the, I think I'm going to run the 40. You were like kind of going back and forth. Now I yeah. know why you ran the 40 was to, was to show off between the, the fakes and, and all of that show off the skill set that you can bring to the table. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll put you on the depth chart as, as like the third or fourth running back or something now. Something like that. Yeah. Shoot. I, hopefully I can get in as the, uh, like the emergency QB, do some yeah. like, yeah. Some triple option and some like RPOs and stuff. Definitely. Yeah, that'd be sweet. But I actually wish, uh, one thing I wish I did is I wish I trained for the 40 leading up to the combine. I know like it's a little risky, like in people have like, I heard stories of people getting injured, like training, you know, for the 40 and stuff, like when it's obviously not that important for punters and kickers, but I, I wish I would have trained for it. I think I, I think I could have ran 
four six, low four six. If I would have trained for it, but well, I'll I will th- say. I will say that I I did train for it and you still ran faster than me. That I mean, I'm also what probably I was probably I think I was maybe 190 if that soaking wet. Yeah, um, you had maybe so I was probably I had 40 pounds 30, on you. Yeah, a good 30 40 pounds on me. So I mean, it's appropriate. Well, on but, a more on a more serious note, you received the AFC Special Teams Player of the Month for uh, this past month. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Secondly, what does that mean to you? Obviously, accolades and, and everything uh, individually are are not something that a lot of players like to uh, dwell on, just because it's you know it's not always about the player. But it is mm-hmm. nice to to be you know recognized sometimes for individual achievements and 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 good play. What does it mean to you to to get that? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah that that one's kind of kind of a next level award that one's that one's really cool that one obviously means you know a ton the player of the week honors those are really cool but honestly i was i was talking to my special teams coordinator about this i think the player of the month honors are like they should almost be team honors because there there were so many times that my gunners were flying down there just making plays for me and i guys going down making tackles getting turnovers there's there's like no way I would have been able to get that honor if those guys, you know, weren't, you know, saving my tail more than a time or two. So so obviously I I was I was congratulating the guys, thanking them for, you know, everything they did, you know, for allow me to get that award. Yeah, like like you said, it's like it's it's something that we try not to like specialists, yeah, we try not to like dwell on the stuff. It's nice to get some recognition every once in a while. But yeah, it's 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 definitely something I'm not trying to, you know, put too much focus into. Yeah, one of those things that if it if it comes along and you get it, then that's that's fantastic and an amazing honor. But if not, I mean either way you gotta you gotta keep kicking the next week. So uh moving away and I think this is the last question before Blake's got a couple uh short snap questions for you at the end. But uh, what do you think? I know this is recent news, but what do you think of the Billy Napier hire? I honestly, I haven't looked into it too much. I, I know that he got, he got the coach of the year for his previous school's, um, conference. He obviously had an incredible year. I think they were 11 and one regular season. So, uh, so we'll see. I obviously have yet to meet the guy. Um, I was a big Dan Mullen guy. I absolutely love coach Mullen, um, and, and the entire staff. And, uh, I do think that that was, a little too quick, a little too quick of a move. Coach Mullen had three incredible years, you know, you know, leading up to that. And then it's, it's just one year. I mean, who's to say it's not a fluke, but my whole outlook on it is give him the opportunity to like rebuild the next season and see what happens. And, you know, if there's some issues there, then, then maybe you can consider, you know, going another direction. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, either way, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the future of Florida football. And uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I've heard a lot of good things about Coach Napier, and, yeah, I can't wait to meet him. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see what happens. The Florida-LSU matchup is going to look very different for the next couple of years. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He was oh, pretty. Yeah. He was a pretty hot name, I think, in the LSU coaching search just because he was right down the road, you know, 45, 45 minutes down the road from right. uh, Baton Rouge. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard great things about him. So I, I, I feel like you guys are going to be happy. Yeah, absolutely. Is uh who's uh who's coming into LSU? They hired Brian Kelly. He was the head coach at Notre That's Dame. That's right. That's right. Um and That's actually right. announced today uh that he was bringing back a uh the the running backs coach from when coach Miles was there, Frank Wilson. He was off being he was head coach at UTSA and then McNeese. 
but they brought him back to, oh, nice. uh, which is, which is big oh, for recruiting, awesome, yeah. big for recruiting for LSU. It will be a fun matchup. It's always a fun matchup between LSU and Florida, but it's going to be even, even better with two brand new coaches, both new to the SEC. Um, yeah. last couple of oh, questions. Yeah. Uh, we call these short snaps, little play on, on the position that play we, on words. uh, yes. First one. What is your favorite and least favorite away stadium in the league? I don't know. It's hard for me to say. Obviously, domes are nice, but I think so. I think SoFi Stadium out in LA that was probably one of the coolest stadiums I'd ever been in. Of course, the only time we played in it last year was you know the COVID year, so it was an absolute ghost town, and it was that was the second game of the season. I mean, as you know, we're used to coming out and packed SEC houses, and and then the first game of the season was a half filled house in Arrowhead, and the next one was just complete empty could hear people talking up in up in the whatever but i guess it was the um, same same way for y'all when you went to vegas too yeah the, same way in the vegas brand new too. stadium we all three did brand that last year oh yeah but yeah i think i think sofi is really cool and that's that's going to be a really fun game um you know in the coming weeks but uh but yeah i'd probably say that's that's my favorite probably favorite away stadium and least favorite geez honestly sorry reed but i'd, I'd probably say buffalo i'd probably say buffalo it's no, it's, no uh, hard feelings it's a it's a it's a bit hit and miss with the weather, and yeah, it's just a bit hit and miss with the weather. Yeah, you you just can't. You, you if, just you watched, you, if you watched you the game last night, you know that <laughs> there is there is no worse. You, yeah, I think you guys conditions to play in. Uh, what did we play all last year? Like week six, maybe when you came uh, up here. We, yeah, I, I feel I like it remember. was relatively early, so it wasn't like terrible, but I think yeah. it was pretty windy. Yeah, I think it was like I think it was like in the like high forties maybe or fifties, yeah. windy and windy. It was, and it was drizzling too. So the field was super wet and kind of slick. But yeah, that <laughs> that one wasn't that one wasn't very that, fun. That was uh, the weird uh like COVID game or something, wasn't it? Didn't it wasn't it like on a Thursday, like a Tuesday or something? Oh, the one that got I think it got moved back maybe, right? Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, we also didn't have fans for that game, so Tommy, who is on your pregame playlist? Who who and what songs? <laughs> like what's so your go to? I've switched it up quite a bit. So in college and last year, I would play a lot. I would play a lot of Young Dolph. The last song I listened to coming out before the game was a song called Baller Alert. Um, <laughs> one, one of my favorites. It just gets me, gets me juiced, gets me amped every time. I love me some future, but, uh, but yeah, this past year, I've kind of, I've kind of switched it up a little bit. I've been trying to go for a more relaxed and calming mindset. So I've been uh, I've been tearing up some oldies, listening to a lot of Neil Young, and and yeah, so I've I've just been eating that up. And then the last question that we have actually comes out of y'all's matchup uh, earlier this season on Sunday Night Football with the Buffalo Bills. If you remember, there was a somewhat long rain delay in your game, and the the Buffalo Bills were hanging out in the tunnel. There were several guys just sitting there and, and they were discussing the peanut butter and jellies that were in the locker room. Those were going quick. The guys were sitting around. They were starting to get hungry. The sandwiches are going fast. And somebody on this Zoom call made a comment about the high percentage of peanut butter to jelly on these sandwiches. He claims it was like 80-20, which is I think we can all agree that 80-20 is is way too high of a peanut butter ratio. Absolutely. Our question to you is what is your perfect peanut butter and jelly ratio? Smucker's uncrustables are off the table. Those are those are not allowed because we all know that those, those are the best. 
if you're making your own PB&J, what's the ratio? Okay, I'm going to answer this one, and I have a follow-up question for you, for both of you, I suppose. But honestly, that's probably one of my favorite questions I've ever been asked. That's that, that's a good one. I would say it definitely can't be 50-50 because that would just be a lot of jelly. I feel like 50-50 would be a lot of jelly, and I feel like that might bread. be a bit overpowering. But honestly, sometimes I'm in the mood for some jelly. So 50-50, you have jelly seepage, and that's not good. Right. You have to, you have, to have the perfect amount of peanut sticky. butter. First off, you have to peanut butter both sides. If you don't, you're doing it wrong. Um, and you have to kind of make a pocket like the un, like the Uncrustables. Yes. You, know, you have to get the peanut butter jelling around the outside of the jelly. Because it seals, um, it seals the jelly, and it doesn't doesn't have the seepage. I, hey man, I am exactly. 100% with you. But yeah, I feel like there's got to be a happy medium. I think the 80/20 is way too much peanut butter, but the 50/50 is it's just too much jelly. So, I I'd, I'd probably swing I'd probably swing like a I don't know, maybe maybe like a 35/65 maybe. 35/65. I think that's There you a good go. Place. You and Reed are on the same page. There you that go. is exactly what he says. <laughs> yeah. You just got to have a good little, you know, anything higher thing. than 70 and you're dealing with not cotton mouth, but peanut butter mouth. Yes. You you can't, yeah, you have you to can. chug a water just to get the sandwich down. And even so you might have to get a couple swishes in there too. You know, like it's going to get stuck yeah. everywhere. It's Big just, time. it's a mess. It's a mess. But my follow up question for y'all is this is something that I've actually been enlightened to this year. I don't think I've ever eaten one until this past year but it's the strawberry uncrustable. So what are y'all's thoughts on the strawberry uncrustable versus the grape uncrustable? I'm strawberry 100%. Every every game I Me walk too. into the yeah. locker room after we kick our punt and field goal, I go into the locker room and our nutritionist is standing there with a basket. Strawberry every time, 100%. Absolutely. Reed, yeah, I'm, you're the yeah, same. I'm, I'm strawberry just in general. Strawberry flavored everything. So I've got, I've, I'm, I got to go strawberry there. Love it. Yeah, Love it. If y'all, if y'all are sitting there and you go up, you go up to a whole, a whole, you know, stack of Uncrustable sitting there. What's like, how do you pick which one? How do you pick which one? I give it a little squeeze. I, you got to feel the plumpiness of the center. Yeah. Because, because sometimes they will freeze them. If you're not, if you're not uh, paying attention, you'll get a frozen one and then you'll bite into it and have hard peanut butter. If there's anything worse than too much peanut butter, it's hard peanut butter. Frozen peanut butter. Frozen is bad. Refrigerated is good. I almost disagree a little bit there. I do enjoy sometimes when I get not a completely frozen Uncrustable, but if the bread has thawed out and gotten Just soft, a chilled. Yeah. A chilled then, Uncrustable. Yeah. I, 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 do, I do enjoy that a little bit. But uh, Like if but there yeah. was an Uncrustable chilling on the turf in Buffalo last night for like 10 minutes... It'd be great. Oh yeah, it would be fantastic. It would be it'd be primed up ready to go. But yeah, I was I was just curious. I was asking because every time I go up and reach up to the table to to grab an uncrustable, it like it just has to feel right. The bread has yeah. to be soft. If it's like yeah. one of the ones where the bread's a little stale, just put it right back. Yeah, I need to pass. It. I need to make this recommendation because we've got people making PB and J's. It seems like we should no. just get uncrustable. The bread is always stale. Yeah. It's much yeah. more efficient. It's much more efficient. Tommy, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the pod today. If you guys want to follow Tommy on social media, you can follow him at Tommy underscore Townsend on both Instagram and Twitter. Go give him a follow. He is quite 
the character on social media. So, uh, Tommy, thanks for joining us today. Well, we want to thank Tommy for his time uh, that he was able to uh, spend with us. We had a great time interviewing him. Obviously, been a friend for a long time since high school. Uh, been fortunate to play alongside him and against him at uh, all three levels. So, uh, big thanks to Tommy. And we will see y'all next week, next Thursday. We hope that you will join us again. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us at After the Snap Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, give us a subscribe and a rating. We love our subscribers and it helps us grow. We'll see you next Thursday. This has been After the Snap, tales from two brothers who live life upside down.